We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. WGR. Here's the American dream. Dusty Rhodes and Dusty, your fans welcome you back, man. Sports Radio 550. I don't have to say a lot more about the way I feel about Sports Talk Saturday. No respect. No honor. There is no honor among these in the first place. He put hard times on Dusty Rhodes and his family. You don't know what hard times are, Daddy. Hard times are when the textile workers around this country are out of work. They got four or five kids and can't pay their wages, can't buy their food. Hard times are when the auto workers are out of work and they tell them go home. And hard times are when a man has worked at a job 30 years. 30 years, they give him a watch, kick him in the butt, and say, hey, a computer took your place, daddy. That's hard time. Want to talk to the guys on Sports Talk Saturday? Call or text us now. You put hard times on this country by taking Dusty Rhodes out. That's hard time. Sports Talk Saturday on WGR. Morning, everybody. Louis DiBiase here, Sports Talk Saturday, WGR Sports Radio 550. Corey Griswold on the board. We're with you from 11 o'clock to 2, taking your calls at 803-0550. I am in for Nate Geary today. He should be back next Saturday. So I'm, again, taking your calls at 803-0550, taking your questions on Twitter at WGR 550, at DiBiase L-O-E. We've got a jam-packed show for you today. The NFL Draft is, I think, less than three weeks away now. Yeah, uh, three weeks from last Thursday. It's on April 29th, the first round. Day one, the Buffalo Bills pick at number 30 overall. So we've got a lot of draft talk to get into today. What are the Bills going to do at 30? Could it be a running back? Could it be a receiver, an edge rusher, a cornerback? We'll also take a a look around the AFC East, a look around the league. I have a couple Locked On guys joining me today. Locked On Patriots host Mike Debate at noon and then Locked On 49ers host Brian Peacock, who also is the host of the Peacock and Williamson NFL show on the Locked On Podcast Network. Want to hear about what he thinks uh, the Niners are going to do at number three. Obviously, they're going to go for a quarterback, right? They trade up from pick 12 to pick three, giving up multiple first-round picks in future drafts. Is is that going to be for Mac Jones? Like, is that something they're actually considering? Is that actually the favorite right now? Is Mac Jones actually the favorite over Justin Fields, over Trey Lance? 
for that third overall pick. I do think it helps the Bills if Mac Jones does go at three, because then I think you're guaranteed to have five quarterbacks go within the top ten, and that pushes at least one more prospect that's not a quarterback down the board outside the top ten. So it could help out the Buffalo Bills, and so we'll get to Brian Peacock at 1 o'clock, Mike Debate at 12, and then again, you guys all throughout the day at 8.03.05.50. A lot of Bills talk, some Masters talk as well. I love this time of year because I feel like the Masters, and that's why I kind of sucked last year well obviously with the pandemic there was no March Madness the Masters got pushed to November whereas this year we finally get a little bit more normalcy here really this is like the transition from the winter springtime to the Masters to me is kind of like the symbol of it's like the first event of the summer right right now it's beautiful outside in Buffalo it's like you know 80 degrees out go out on your balcony turn on the TV watch some golf later on really the main leaders kick off today's uh, round at two o'clock so have a couple sour beers or whatever. Corey, what, what's your uh, drink of choice? Are you a sour beer guy? IPA? Absolutely not. Disgusting. No? Am I the totally only guy disgusting. that likes sours? No. I, You're not a sour I know, guy? I know a lot of people who like sours I was gonna because say, I know a lot of weirdos. Now. That's why. Um, <laughs> no, I don't want to You're, drink a beer that What are you, a, a dark stout? Are you a porter guy? What's your... bad. Um, <laughs> uh, my taste buds are shot as well. Like... I'm like I'm drinking black coffee at eleven Ugh, o'clock in the yeah. morning. Don't like, get me I'm, started with coffee, my friend. So I, I I'm admitting that I'm not good at this. Okay, all right, that's but, fair. Um, I'm probably um, I like the Kolsch, uh, the that, the ruby red Kolsch from mm-hmm, Jenny. Absolutely, those uh, are great. I'm a, I'm more of a fan of lighter beers. Yeah. So like a. a a lager is probably as dark as I'll get a pils- I can I can really rock a pilsner. Okay, so we're okay. We're we're kind of in the same boat then. See, I, I don't go want a little- heavy beer in the summer. No, I agree. Like anybody that's drinking a Guinness in like eighty degree heat, what is wrong? Or like with a you? brown ale, I can't. <laughs> I can't do it. So I'm a light beer guy as well. But I go. I take it a little farther though. I am big into the sours. So. Uh, you know, crack a couple of those open, watch some golf today, a look at the leaderboard. Justin Rose right now is atop the leaderboard for the Masters in Augusta at 7-under. You got Zalatoris and Harmon at 6-under, Mark Leishman and Jordan Spieth at 5-under. Then you got a couple, a lot of guys there at 4-under. Um, you got Weisberger, Tony Finau, uh, Justin Thomas. You've got Siwoo Kim. So a bunch of guys close within two, one, or three shots from Justin Rose, and a lot of those guys get going later on today at 2 o'clock, and it's kind of interesting. Um, the Masters is fun because individual sports, they're they're a different breed. Like, I play a lot of, I've been playing a lot of tennis lately. Instead of, I don't know, I can't, working out-wise, I'm not a big runner. I'm a spacer when I get thinking and I get distracted. I can't really run that much, so I like to, you know, stay distracted with my cardio, and I like to do a lot of tennis, and, you know, we're starting up being able to golf now in Buffalo with this amazing weather, and you see the Masters, and you see Siwoo Kim, actually, is an interesting comparison about what I'm going to talk about here is individual sports, like, you know, team sports, you have others to rely on, right? So, if you're not having a good day, if you're in your own head, or you're just, you know, in basketball, your jump shot is off, in football you are just not seeing the field well as a quarterback you know you have running backs you have receivers to elevate you right if you're if you're a coach and you're just play calling you're just you're off your game team sports like you have others to rely on but individual sports you are on an island it is all up to you and so that's why I don't know. I don't want to say I respect individual sport icons more like Tiger Woods, like Serena Williams, like, you know, Nadal and Federer and Djokovic, those stud, you know, tennis players. But I don't want to say it's more impressive to be great in that area compared to Tom Brady, Michael Jordan, you know, LeBron James, because honestly, again, those are team sports as good as you are. Your team might hold you back. So it actually, I don't know, I kind of go back and forth with this, but it is impressive when you can become a legend 
in individual sports. Because again, yeah, it's all on you. That could be a good thing if you are like the most talented person at that sport ever. But at the same time, like at least for me, so I get in my head and like when I'm having an off day in golf and it's warm outside, it's over. Like if, if I, the, I got to start off fast in golf, I have to have a strong first, you know, couple, not even just a strong front nine. I got to hit really well on the first, even if I, you know, don't putt well, I got to really hit the ball well on my first couple drives or I get in my head and then it's over. And the same thing with tennis. If I'm just having an off day, it's over. Individual sports, you got to be strong mentally for sure. Not just physically. With a bunch of people watching you. Like it's right. one thing to have oh, a, that's a bad thing. round yeah. on your own, and it's just you and a couple of friends, and like nobody's standing there watching you. But to do that with thousands of people watching right. you all at once, especially tennis where it's a small court, yep, and, and they're it's quiet, it's quiet, that and they're, part they're, is what gets me too. right. The, like, that silence freaks me out, and like, <laughs> like so you have a couple of thousand people watching you in dead silence, yep, and like that, it's it's freaky just to sit and watch it on TV. It is so like to be there in person, they're doing it. Like, that's a different level of mental existence. And that's what I'm saying. Even, like, the, Corey, even, like, the smaller putts, right? Like, just you have you have one small putt for the win. For me, with that silence with the stakes there, that's something I would shank to the right or left every single time. I right. do that. I feel that pressure, like, even at a par 3 course, let's say, like, Bobolinks and Orchard Park, right? I can be set up here for a birdie or a par. And so I get that comfort. But then I three putt it and I bogey because I get comfortable and then I feel the pressure of, okay, you missed the first one. Now you got to hit this one to get the par. I normally three putt in those situations. So it's, I'm watching the Masters today and this past week. It's so impressive to see these guys when they're on fire because individual sports, again, it's a, it's a different breed. It's, it a, it's be, a different, it's a different style. Would it be different for you if it was your job? Like if it was everything you so. ever yeah, if there's did. There's millions on the line. But, yeah, probably. But even just the repetition of it, right? Oh, like sure. The amount of time you put into understanding the process. Well, especially so- in golf, you can't just golf every once every couple months right. and be great. Golf can you have consistency is so huge in golf. To understand the mechanics of your own body and of a swing and how all of that works yep. together. Like when someone like me goes to golf, I don't understand that process. I don't so either. I am yeah. essentially guessing. <laughs> I'm with you. Every time I swing a club, and no matter anything that I'm doing, and right. I'm working off of that guess to make it consistent. And it's not a sport where you can, you know, like basketball. Russell Westbrook can't take jumpers anymore, can't shoot threes, but he's still one of the most explosive athletes in the game that he can get to the hole. He can get to the net because he's just that talented athletically, right? There's quarterbacks even that aren't the most accurate that can get by, you know, even Josh Allen, let's say, to start his career in 2018 and in 2019. He wasn't what he was in 2020. He wasn't that polished yet when it comes to just an all-around quarterback, but he was extremely mobile. The dude's like, what, 6'5", 200? Mm-hmm. He's built like a linebacker. So he, there's, again, there's a floor there of production. Golf, it is all mental. It is all fundamentals. It's all technique, and it's all on you. So that's why, again... I don't want to say it's the most impressive thing to be great at, but Tiger Woods, I mean, when you look at how he could take over this sport, you look at it, Corey. How many guys, I mean, Rory McIlroy, when was the last time? He hasn't won a major. Dustin Johnson missed the cut. Right. And, and, you know, you look at, and right, and he just won the major, uh, the Masters in November. And, like, again, Rory McIlroy is a great example of this. It's so hard to be consistently great at golf, or at least win majors. He hasn't won a major since 2014. Tita Green was on this morning from 7 to 9. They had a two-hour show for the Masters, Mm -hmm. and they mentioned Justin Rose, and they talked about the fact that his back is shot. Right. So he's got, like, nobody was expecting him to even be able to maintain his round that he had mm-hmm. going into yesterday and he was still able to do it like to be able to do what you got to do and overcome physical injury yep. while you're in that spot it's brutal 
Like it's it is a very unique mental sport. Golf is. Look at Jordan Spieth. Even he's five under right now. He's two back from Rose, who's seven under. Spieth started off his career on fire, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he won a was it a couple majors there, and he barely he he blew the Masters in right. uh, 2016. I want to say, don't quote me on that, but and so since then, where has he been when it comes to majors? It's very very difficult to be consistently great at golf, and I think, I, it, I think at tennis too. That's why it's impressive. I think at Jeff Skinner. Like when you are a guy with, you know, elite level talent to score in the National Hockey League and then you lose it. Right. And you're just like, you don't, you're like, you're trying, you're trying, you're trying. And Mm -hmm. then the the buck just absolutely. Taylor Hall is shooting like 2%. Yeah. (laughs) And like uh, how all these guys who are absolutely apex predators in their sport will just like have a year where it's just like, nah, nope, it's not going to happen. They just don't have it. Matthew Collar, who used to work here, pointed it out a long time ago that scores are just streaky by nature. They'll have streaks where it all goes in and then it'll just all die. And like to have the mental fortitude to survive through that, to, to just like try because from my own mental perspective i would try to understand the process well and especially in golf when it's all on you right and then so you, you just have, have it to go away it. so like, you have to figure it out that day right or it's like you said you're not making the cut even you're, you're, you're analyzing Johnson. it as you're screwing right. up you so, could have a bad game in football hockey basketball you've got other guys to carry you through that night again tennis golf it's on you. It's, and so some people love that. Some people thrive in that area because they don't like relying on others. They are, you know, type A kind of people. They're hands-on. They're maybe even controlling in a, in a certain way, right? And so for them, that kind of atmosphere is better. But for people like me, I don't thrive in that kind of environment as well. Around so I, is... I, I'm more impressed when I see those guys. I, I enjoy the greatness of those sports sometimes more. Around the golf's like, what, four hours? They tee yeah, off at two to go to about it's six long, or something like that. It's a, it's a long grind. Like, think too. about like guys like Trey White, guys on cornerbacks, guys on the island. You know, and yep. if you screw up, you you can't dwell on it. You have to get over it. Look at Siwoo Kim. He broke his putter right. yesterday, and he had to what, he had to putt with a wood. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, but the game of football allows you to get over it quickly because right. the next place coming. There's actually a clock on the wall mm-hmm. that says when they got to start the next play. Yeah, so you can't keep thinking about it. In golf, you could have a span of minutes between your shots. So you shoot and you put it like all the way into, and the you have woods. to sit on that shot for you, minutes. Now you, you have to gotta think about go it. find it yourself. Yep, you gotta walk over to it, which is a couple of hundred yards away. Then you gotta wait till the other guy goes, and then you get to address your shot and go again. They're showing Siwoo Kim putting with the uh, wood on ESPN right now, and that. So Corey, I didn't realize you only can care. I mean, again, I like golf, really enjoy it. I like going out there. I like watching the majors, right? I like watching the Masters, the U.S. Open, the British Open. I didn't realize though a lot of the specifics of the sport, and I didn't realize you. I mean, these guys only have one putter. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they explain. That's crazy. They actually explained the rule this morning, and it's there on our website, uh, Odyssey.com, WGR five hundred and fifty. If you want to go back and listen to T D Green, they talked about this very thing. You, if you break your putter. Because it's your fault. You can't replace it. So did he it. break it out of anger? Yes, he did. He lost his cool, bent wow. the shaft, club is gone, which I'm sure Augusta National probably loved. But like, <laughs> Happy Gilmore style. Right, but when it's your fault, like that's it. So you have to use a different club. Oh, so so what if if it's based on the, like, what if the course was the reason? If the course, I don't know the specifics. Yeah, see, that's what I wonder. Um, but like, I'm trying to think of like how that could be, sure. right? Because you could plausibly say anytime you swing, like it's your Right, like fault. what if you chop low on like, you know, on a wedge and right. it, it bends or something? You would probably have to be somewhere close to like out of bounds or something like that and mm-hmm. they make you take the shot and you screw up a club. Like, yeah. There's probably a very narrow window where that's acceptable, I would assume. But like, 
the wood he's probably using is as close as you can probably get to the stance and swing of a putter. I was going to say, it was impressive. He almost, it was a, a deep shot, and he almost sank it. He's only four back. Again, he's, uh, Siwoo Kim is four under right now heading into Saturday, and Justin Rose is seven under, so. Yeah, he parred out with it. Like, he, he, sta- he maintained par with that putter. That's really, really impressive. Right. So, again, individual sports it's a you got to be a different kind of breed and so it's been fun to watch the masters the past couple days we'll take you calls if you want to get into some golf talk we'll take your calls at 803-0550 again a lot of bills talk today a lot of nfl draft talk afc east i'm going to talk with locked on patriots host mike debate at noon locked on 49ers host and uh one half of the Williamson and Peacock NFL show on the Lockdown Podcast Network, Brian Peacock at 1 o'clock, at WGR550 on Twitter, at DBLCLOE. So I was on, I think it was, yeah, I was on Friday and Monday with my brother, Sneaky Joe DiBiase. You guys all know him, producer of Mike Chopin the Bulldog, host of the Nightcap. We were taking over for One Bills Live on Friday and Monday, but Monday is what I want to get into. We were doing Two Bros Live from 12 to 3, and we ranked our top 20 quarterbacks that are under the age of 25 right now so we combined quarterbacks in the NFL right now that are under the age of 25 and quarterbacks that are heading into the 2021 NFL draft so you could put Trevor Lawrence in that list you could put Justin Fields Trey Lance Mac Jones if you desire I threw him in there at the end only because I forgot Mitchell Trubisky is 26 and not 25 so Joe had to bounce him out there and throw Mac Jones in there but So the bottom of the list didn't really matter, right? I had Mac Jones, you know, Daniel Jones, Jordan Love, Gardner Minshew, Tua, Drew Locke, those kind of guys. But then we got to the top five, and I got a little bit of uh, pushback from my top five rankings. So I ranked the top five quarterbacks under the age of 25 as follows. And, And this is, again, the way we did this, so my mindset was not like, it's a combination of everything. You know, your track record across the NFL, your performance over the past couple of years, your college, you know, your prospects coming out of college. Also, upside, though, could you still do more? It's not like I'm taking Lamar Jackson with the Baltimore Ravens. It's I'm starting a franchise today, and I, Louis DiBiase, am going to be the GM, and I'm going to build around them. Which guy would I take right now? Again, and some of that's based on their performance in the NFL right now, obviously, but it also has to do with, you know, just potential and upside. It's why I had Trevor Lawrence already at fifth. I had him ahead of Justin Herbert, who was at six. I had Kyler Murray at seven. But then even again, like it was a lot of upside for me. I put Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, and Trey Lance at eight, nine, and ten over guys like Joe Burrow and Sam Darnold, who at least have shown flashes at the NFL level. So that's kind of where the mindset was. It's a combination of upsides, a combination of you know track record in the NFL already, college prospects, and it's me building around them. It also has to do with you know style. What quarterback, what style do you like? And obviously I'm big into the mobile quarterbacks. But Bills fans didn't love my uh, placement of Josh Allen here. I had Patrick Mahomes obviously number one. This whole Deshaun Watson stuff, you know, it's brutal and it's not looking good for him. But, you know, just in a, in a vacuum, I did last week put him number two. Obviously, take him off the list considering the circumstance. But, you know, from the 2020 season into now, Deshaun Watson would have been my number two. Lamar Jackson was my three, and that's where the pushback came because I had Josh Allen at number four. People did not like that I had Lamar at three with Allen at four, especially considering Josh Allen just beat Lamar Jackson in the divisional round of the playoffs. And, you know, I love it, though, because I'll I'll give you I'll give you an example. I cover the Philadelphia Eagles for professional podcast network as well. I host Locked on Eagles. And so those are two very similar fan bases, blue collar, passionate, love football, right? Love their team, even when they're again with the Bills. 
the amount of emotional stamina I saw in some of my friends and family members growing up with a 17-year playoff drought, it's unmatched. The loyalty is unmatched, and it's kind of like that as well with the Eagles. But the difference, so why I kind of enjoy the pushback from the Bills fans is they have Josh Allen's back. They rally around their quarterback no matter what. Like, it's unconditional, and that part I really enjoy because there's different kinds of passion. The Eagles fans are different because they're, they, they love you when you're great, they, they love you when you're bad, but they're going to let you know when you're terrible. And so they're brutal on their players. And some guys just can't make it in that environment. Just they get swallowed up. They get eaten alive in that city. And sometimes, honestly, it's unfair criticism. I thought Carson Wentz from 2016 to last year in 2020, last year he deserved a lot of the criticism for just completely collapsing. But at the same time, he elevated some bad teams with some brutal coaching, some brutal rosters, brutal injuries for a long time. And Philly would let him have it no matter what because of Nick Foles and they held him. And you even look at Donovan McNabb, like he and Philly don't really get along because they held him to this kind of impossible standard, right? Where he had to win a Super Bowl or what, you know, making the NFC title five times wasn't good enough. That's what I like about the Bills fans is it's the same kind of passion, but it's different where they support their guy until there's just nothing to defend anymore. And so, I, I don't know. I mean, you guys came at me on Twitter this week, but I loved it because you guys have Josh Allen's back. But I will say, I mean, come on, like we're splitting hairs here. These are all elite players. The You guys should be happy. The Bills have a top four quarterback under the age of 25. Like this is rejoice. This has never happened in my lifetime. It's, it's not really one, two, three, and four. It's one A, one B, one C, and one D. Like, Again, the, the difference between Mahomes, you know, choosing Mahomes at one or like Lamar at three, Allen at four, Watson at two, it was, again, it's just splitting hairs. It's finding certain little things to nitpick to find, because again, I don't want to sit on a fence and just say, oh, they're all great. You know, you got to take one. So I went with Lamar Jackson, and that's based on my feelings of these prospects coming out of college, and it's also based on what they've done in the NFL right now. I don't think it's, I mean, you can make the argument. I think most people would probably take Josh Allen over Lamar Jackson right now. But to make me seem crazy for putting Lamar at three, I think is a little unfair. I mean, this guy just won the MVP a year and a half ago in 2019, and that's you know throwing the ball to a rookie Hollywood Brown, uh, Willie Sneed, Miles Boykin, Greg Roman's offense that's very conservative, that runs the football, that really doesn't, you know, it, it lets Lamar thrive on the ground. But the fact that this guy threw for 36 touchdowns in that offense in 2019 is extremely impressive. And so the difference was, because again, yeah, you could counter that by saying, well, Lou, Josh Allen had that kind of season in 2020. He didn't win the MVP, but he had as good of a year that Lamar did in 2019, if not better. He's, it certainly was better through the air. Like, I'll give you that 100%. Lamar hasn't had that season yet when it comes to passing the football. However, at the same time, they both have had an MVP-like season, so they kind of, so I agree with you there. I kind of canceled those out. 2019 for Lamar, 2020 for Allen, canceled those out. They've both had top-tier seasons where one won the MVP, and you could have made the case for Josh Allen to win the MVP. But then you look at the reason I put Lamar once, and again, it was only one spot. It's not like I had Lamar at one and Allen was seven. It was three and four. Again, like, you know, 1A, 1B, 1C, 1D here. So, again, just keep that in mind. The reason I had Lamar one spot ahead was, though, what he did last year in 2020 and what he did in 2018, taking over for Joe Flacco when they were 4-5, and five, winning, what was it, you know, five of their last six, whatever, to get into the postseason. Those two seasons that Lamar had, you know, in between that MVP season, those were way better than what Josh Allen has done 
in seasons outside of 2020. So that's the thing. That, that's why I put Lamar one spot ahead. Because what Lamar did in 2018 and in 2020 was better than what Josh Allen did in 2018 and 2019. So, and again, it's, it's splitting hairs. It's three, four, but I do, I today, and it's, it would be really hard for me, but I do still think I would take, I believe I would still take Lamar Jackson. And that's kind of still based on, you know, upside. And it's also based on speculation as to what I think I know about him, what I think he would be in an offense like the Buffalo Bills offense like the Arizona Cardinals, where it's all about passing the football. You know, the Cardinals have an air raid system. The Bills are normally going empty set. Four, five receivers out there at a time. Rarely ran the football last year, right? Josh Allen does not check down the football. It's the polar opposite of what Lamar's offense is in Baltimore. But I don't think that's really Lamar's fault in Baltimore. I think that's what Greg Roman does. We saw that in Buffalo with Tyrod Taylor and Rex Ryan. We saw that with the 49ers. You know, with when he uh, was coaching Colin Kaepernick. So, you know, is it Lamar Jackson can't throw the football? Because that's what I hear a lot. Is he, Can he not be a high-volume passer because he hasn't really done it yet? Or is it because of the exterior factors around him? Is it because of his environment? I don't think they're a run-first offense because of Lamar. I think they're a run-first offense because that's what Greg Roman does. And they're, you know, emphasizing too much of Lamar's mobility and they're not giving him enough credit as a passer. And so that's why they're conservative a lot of the time, and it's also why they can't bring in wide receivers, right? I don't think people, you know, Juju Smith-Schuster even, didn't want to go to Baltimore because they run the football too much, and their top target is Mark Andrews. So they had to settle for a Sammy Watkins. So while I think that a lot of it has to do with because Lamar is an elite runner, and I think he might be the best mobile quarterback of all time when it's all said and done, I think Roman puts too much emphasis in that and doesn't give Lamar enough credit when it comes to his ability as a passer. I do think that if you put Lamar Jackson in the Bills' offense last year, if you put him in the Arizona Cardinals' offense, that he could thrive just as much as Allen and Kyler Murray did because you saw it in 2019. Look, you can if you can't pass the football, you're not throwing 36 touchdowns in that offense with that personnel. So that's why I think Lamar right now would be three, Josh Allen four. But again, guys, it's like, you know, pick your poison. I mean, you're, you're going to be fine with either. So um, those rankings are available on Twitter. You can follow Joe. He posted the list, as did I, at Sneaky Joe Sports at DiBiase, L-O-E. Louis DiBiase here filling in for Nate Geary on Sports Talk Saturday, 803-0550 is the number to call. Coming up next, this list that me and Joe did, the 25 and under quarterback rankings, the top 20. It started to make me think about, who the Bills have to worry about in the AFC outside of the Kansas City Chiefs. Me and Joe talked about this week, who is the short-term and long-term threat to the Bills in the AFC East, right? We thought long-term, it's probably the Jets with Zach Wilson. Short-term, it's the rosters of the Dolphins and the Patriots. But then I started looking at this list, and a lot of the quarterbacks are in the AFC. So I started thinking, outside of the Chiefs and Bills, who are those other teams that are going to compete with them to represent the AFC in Super Bowls for years to come? I'm going to get into that coming up next right here on WGR Sports Radio 550. All right, everybody, back in. WGR Sports Radio 550, Louis DiBiase in for Nate Geary from 11 o'clock till 2. 
taking your calls at 803-0550. Call in. Tell me why I'm an idiot for putting Lamar Jackson at three and Josh Allen at four on my quarterback rankings that are, of course, 25 years old or younger. I went Patrick Mahomes one, Deshaun Watson before all the stuff at number two, Lamar Jackson three, Josh Allen four, and Trevor Lawrence number five. Me and Joe did this list, and again, you can find it on Twitter at Sneaky Joe Sports at uh, W. Uh, I should say DiBiase L O E, and then you can find it on our website. Again, you can find the uh, audio on demand at Odyssey.com. Um, so I looked at this list though, and it started making me think about who the Bills have to look at as threats in the AFC long-term outside of the Kansas City Chiefs, right? Me and Joe talked about this. It was like in the AFC East. We think it's the New York Jets long-term just because they have the one quarterback with potential, right, that could be a franchise quarterback. Whoever they take it to, it's going to be Zach Wilson from BYU. So Zach Wilson, I think we think, is going to be has a way better shot of being a top-tier quarterback than Tua does in Miami or you know, I still like Cam Newton, but I don't think he's ever going to get back to what he was, you know, in like 2015 or even 2018 with the Carolina Panthers. I can, I still think that they're going to be good this year. I actually even think the Patriots are going to be the second best team in the East, and we're going to talk with Lockdown Patriots host Mike Debate at the top of the hour at noon, uh, heading into hour two. So I do think this year the Dolphins and the Patriots will be better than the Jets, but I think long term, if you had to say, I don't think anybody's going to compete, uh, compete with the Bills for a while in this division. But I think if somebody had the chance to, to get to the level the Bills were at in 2020, it would only be the Jets because, again, their roster is way worse than any other in this division. But Zach Wilson could be a star. And so I don't think Tua can be a star. I don't think Cam Newton can be a star anymore, at least what he was. And where is the path for the Patriots to get that quarterback outside of, I mean, if somebody fell to 15, I doubt it. Are they going to trade up from 15 to 4? with the Atlanta Falcons and grab Trey Lance maybe or Justin Fields. It's a long shot. I think the Dolphins have an okay chance of doing that because while they have Tua, they also have kind of had a plan B ready because they have all these draft picks they collected from, you know, they gave up a first uh, to move back up from 12 to 6. They gave the Eagles one of their first, but they still have multiple first-round picks in the next couple of drafts from that 49ers trade, from the, the Houston trade, I think, too. Um, so they have a bunch of assets still to get that quarterback. But I think the Jets have the best chance because it's Zach Wilson, right? So that's in the AFC East. But what about the AFC in general? Because the Bills, I don't want to say they can kind of look beyond the division now, but they kind of can based on what I'm saying. Even though I think the Patriots and the Dolphins are going to be okay this year, they could win 9 to 11 games. I don't think they're going to seriously push the Bills. I think they could push for a wild card spot. It's kind of what this division has been the last 20 years, but the roles are reversed and it's kind of nice, right? The Patriots each year... They were moving on from the division. They knew we're going to win the division. We got to look at, okay, is it the Colts this year we have to compete with in the AFC title? Is it Baltimore? Is it Pittsburgh? The Patriots always could look ahead, even in the offseason, right? We Every year, the Bills' schedule would come out, and what would we do? Okay, 0-2, let's uh, cross off the list. We lose to the Patriots twice, right? So that's that's what it was. The Patriots could look beyond the division. I think the Bills can... I don't want to I don't think it's a consensus that they're just going to blow by these other teams, but I think it's clear there's a significant gap between Buffalo, Miami, New England, and New York. And so the, the conversation should kind of move to who do the Bills have to deal with to get back to the AFC title? And obviously Kansas City is number 1, right? The Chiefs are still the top dog as long as they have Patrick Mahomes. I always think they're going to be that team. Although I will say there's an opening there. Like the Chiefs are not I thought last year they were going to be unbeatable because the minute they decide to flip that switch, they are unbeatable. We've seen it before. But the Super Bowl, 
kind of showed a significant weakness that was heightened this offseason when they lost Schwartz and Fisher, two of their starters on the offensive line, and we saw how badly that Tampa Bay front seven dismantled that front in Kansas City. Patrick Mahomes was running for his life every single snap. He didn't have a chance. And so while the Bills weren't able to really take advantage of that in the AFC title like Tampa Bay was, if Buffalo gets a pass rusher in round one or they, you know, they start to improve the pass rush and Kansas City's offensive line stays this bad, there is an opening there because I didn't think the Chiefs were beatable, but I think they could be. But I still think Kansas City's the top dog, and I think Buffalo is there at number two. Who else do they have to worry about, though, to get back to the AFC Championship next year? And that is an interesting question because there's a lot of good AFC teams, but there are a lot of teams that could be great, right? As much as you guys hear me hyping up Lamar Jackson a lot on these airwaves, and I don't think you guys enjoy it that much, but Lamar is my guy and I think he's a star. As much as I think it should be Baltimore based on having that quarterback, as long as they have Greg Roman as their offensive coordinator, as long as wide receivers don't want to play there, as long as they continue this offensive philosophy that's opposite it's bizarro bills right where they're running the football what 80 you know 70 to 80 percent of the time their passing game is also predicated on running the football as long as they're going to continue that philosophy to no fault of Lamar but regardless that's the situation he and the Ravens are in I think they're capped I think there's only a certain ceiling there where they're going to be a good team but they're never going to be a great team I think it's very similar to I think the Tennessee Titans are like this there's a lot of good teams in the AFC but there's not a lot of great teams as long as Baker Mayfield is the Cleveland Browns quarterback I think that's a good team and not a great team I think the Tennessee Titans are the same are they ever going to be a great team are they ever going to I mean last year they were really good and they replicated a certain level of production that they had in 2019 but are they ever going to get back to that 2019 where they're beating the Patriots, they're beating Tom Brady, they're beating you know Lamar Jackson, they're almost beating Patrick Mahomes? Like, Is that going to be a consistent thing for Tennessee? I don't think so. I think they can randomly get back there, but it's not going to be an every-year occasion, a occurrence. So Baltimore's good. Tennessee's good. Cleveland's good. Pittsburgh this year with Ben Roethlisberger running it back and that team kind of running it back. I know they started off, what, 11-0, but... I think Pittsburgh kind of, they are what they are too. So those three, those three teams, could they beat the Bills on a good day in the playoffs? Yeah, 100%. I just don't think they're going to consistently be great like I think the Bills and the Chiefs will be. So then you start thinking, what are the other options? You look at this list, the quarterbacks 25 and under list that me and Joe posted last week. There's a lot of guys in the AFC, right? Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, at least for now, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Herbert, the top six in my rankings at least were all from the AFC. And then you look at seven was Kyler Murray, but then you have eight, Zach Wilson. He's going to be in the AFC as well with the Jets. I don't know. Joe, I mean, Joe Burrow is there. Trey Lance could be in the AFC if somebody like the Denver Broncos trade up or the New England Patriots. Sam Darnold is shipped off to Carolina, but you still have Baker Mayfield in there as well. The AFC has a lot of quarterbacks. And again, the teams I mentioned have some but I think they're capped because of their rosters, whereas, or their quarterback situation in the Brown sense, or maybe even Tennessee. So what are the other teams? I think long-term, again, I have Trevor Lawrence at five. I have Justin Herbert at six. I think it could be the Chargers. I think it could be the, ja the Jaguars are farther off, right? They have a, a longer rebuild ahead. But sometimes that longer rebuild is quickly fast-forward with the presence of a franchise quarterback like Trevor Lawrence. You look at the Indianapolis Colts who I'm going to talk about in a minute with Carson Wentz. I think they could be the team. You look at the Colts when they had Andrew Luck at number one overall. That roster wasn't great for years, 
right? But luck elevated them. They were making the playoffs every year. They made an AFC title game. They were consistently winning playoff games. So Trevor Lawrence with that Jaguars team, they've got some young talent. I like their receivers. Marvin Jones, LaVisca Chennault, DJ Chark, James Robinson in the backfield with Urban Meyer as the head coach and Trevor Lawrence at quarterback. They've got some interesting young pieces on defense. Uh, Clavon Chazon on the edge. You've got, you know, C.J. Henderson in the secondary. I still believe Sidney Jones could bounce back and be a pretty good CB2. So Jacksonville, I know it's a long shot, but I think long term that could be an option. I think you look at the Jets if Zach Wilson's a star. I think the Chargers are a, a very likely candidate with how good Justin Herbert was. And that's a good roster. But I'm looking at a team, at least in 2021, that I think could push the Bills and the Chiefs, and it's the Indianapolis Colts. You saw the Colts push the Bills in the wild card round of the 2020 NFL playoffs. And that was with Phillip Rivers, who had a great game that day. He had a great day. What, he threw for over 300 yards? He was on fire. I mean, some of the, the ball placement was incredible. But Kind of like these other teams, like the Cleveland Browns, the Tennessee Titans, the Baltimore Ravens, the Colts were capped, but it was because of, I think, Phillip Rivers. And while if you're getting the 2020 version of Carson Wentz in Indy, that team is not a team you have to worry about at all. But I believe, and this is somebody that I'm somebody that's covered Carson Wentz very closely for going on, you know, this is five years now in the making. I think with him back with Frank Reich, who got the most out of Carson in his 2017, what would have been an MVP season if he didn't you know, tear his ACL in that game against the Rams. That was with Frank Reich. He had Carson Wentz playing on top of the world. And you got to credit Doug Peterson as well, and that entire roster, and Carson Wentz as well, just took an incredible step in year two, kind of like Josh Allen did in year three, and a lot of these young quarterbacks are doing in year two and year three. Um, so if you get that Carson Wentz back with that roster, they're kind of running it back. We, what have we been saying the last couple of years? We've been saying, man, if only Andrew Luck didn't retire, they would be a Super Bowl contender because this roster is finally ready to compete for Luck. But because his offensive line was so bad for so long and because those rosters were just so bad, he burned out. He dealt with all these injuries, and he was just burnt out. And so when you were finally ready to go, you didn't, like the car is finally ready. Now you don't have a driver. And so... This year, I think they could have that in Carson Wentz, even if they don't get him back to the 2017 version. If they can get him back to what he was in 2019, where he had that Eagles team, they were 5-7, and seven, they won four straight to end the year. Wentz was on fire in December. He had 10 touchdowns, only one pick. Just absolutely on fire, carrying a practice squad-like skill position group to the, to the playoffs. If they can get that Carson Wentz back in 2021, that's a team that, I'm not, I'm not worried about I'm not, If I'm the Bills, I'm not worried about anybody but Kansas City. But that's a team I'm keeping my eye on pretty close because that team has been close. They've been knocking on the door. They just don't have that. You know, they're at the door. They just don't have the key. And I don't, again, I, don't, I love Carson Wentz and I believe in his ability. I think the majority of his career, that's who he is, right? In, in four or five years, he's been a good quarterback that has the ability to sometimes be great, right? And so... I think that 2020 was an outlier for him. I think 2017 could also be seen as an outlier, right? I don't think he's going to be an MVP candidate every year. I think 2018 and 2019 is going to be that consistent floor. And then you're going to have some seasons like 2017, more so than you'll have in 2020. And that recipe is enough for me with that Colts roster the way it is. Like with Wentz's ability to normally elevate a team with the roster he finally has, like this roster with the Colts is way better 
than the ones Wentz has had in Philly outside of 2017 when they won a Super Bowl. And so that recipe, to me, makes them... I like them better than the Titans this year. I maybe like them, again, better when it comes to chances of winning a Super Bowl over the Baltimore Ravens. As much as I love Lamar Jackson, I just think that team is always going to be held back by this philosophy they have. And so, yeah, I think long-term, it'll probably be the Chargers. It could be the Jaguars if Trevor Lawrence is as good as we think. It could be the Jets if Zach Wilson is as good as I think. But I'm looking at this year in 2021, who is that third team? Right, because in the AFC all the time, it was always Tom Brady versus Peyton Manning, Patriots-Colts, Patriots-Colts. But you always had a Pittsburgh Steelers thrown in there sometimes. You always had a Baltimore Ravens thrown in there sometimes. Joe Flacco would get hot. Ben Roethlisberger would take down Brady or Manning. Who is that team now in the AFC? Because I think now the Chiefs are like the Patriots and the Bills are kind of that Colts team where Mahomes might get seven, (laughs) but Allen will get two. So who's that third team, though, that gets one every so often, like Baltimore was, like Pittsburgh was? Again, long term, I think it's probably the Chargers, but I think this year, if Carson Wentz can get back to what he was at least in 2018 or in 2019, I think that's very likely considering the majority of his sample size, considering reuniting with Frank Reich, considering that roster and how you know good they were even with you know Philip Rivers at quarterback. They almost, you know, they had the Bills, they had them there in the fourth quarter playing really close. They could have got to the second round when the Bills were the hottest team in football. And so you put Carson Wentz in there, I think in 2021 that could be the third team that's pushing for an AFC uh, title appearance. It's fun. The AFC is a lot more fun than the NFC when it comes to quarterbacks. Again, you look at that 25 and under list that we posted. The top uh, six, I should say, seven of the first eight in my rankings were all from the AFC. Mahomes, again, who knows with Watson, so I don't maybe don't even count him, but still. Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Herbert, Zach Wilson. Who knows where Fields and Lance go? Joe Burrow. Even Baker Mayfield's down there in Tua Togoviola. You know, there's there's a bunch of names in the AFC, and that's not even mentioning the veterans, right, that are in the AFC. The AFC is the quarterback-heavy conference, and normally it's the opposite. I feel like the NFC normally has more of them. The AFC has had the better ones with Manning and Brady, but I think it was deeper in the NFC for a long time. This year, it's different, especially when it comes to the future at quarterback. The AFC is the the one that has the signal callers, and the Bills have one of the best, and that's a pretty fun situation to be in. But I think the Colts could be that team in 2021. Louis DiBiase joining you. This is Sports Talk Saturday on WGR Sports Radio 550, taking your calls at 8.03.0550. Going to take another break here. We've got Mike Debate at the top of the hour from Lockdown Patriots. Lockdown 49ers host Brian Peacock joins me at 1 p.m. Are the Niners actually going to take Mac Jones? with that third pick. I still don't buy it, but I want to hear what Brian has to say. That's coming up next on Sports Talk Saturday, right here on WGR. All right, back here for one more quick segment in Hour 1 of Sports Talk Saturday from 11 o'clock to 2. Louis DiBiase, Corey Griswold in for Nate Geary, taking your calls at 803-0550. I don't know if you saw this, Corey, but the NFL still hasn't decided on this one helmet rule yet, if it could change in 2021. This is taking so long. It's it's ridiculous that they haven't been able to change this rule. It's been like this for, I think the, the Eagles and a bunch of NFL teams continue to propose that the NFL allows teams to wear multiple helmets for like four years now. So teams like the Bills, right now, if they wanted to bring back a 1990s look, like a retro look, 
with the Jim Kelly jerseys, they can't. They can't bring back the red helmet right now. Is there a particular logic behind so, the I don't NFL get it. So this is the, the way logic. they do? It's it's supposed to be for safety, right? Having one helmet being measured for one for one helmet is supposed to help with head injuries. I don't know why though, because for me the logic is like, why at the start of the year when you get measured for one helmet, can't you do that twice? But I mean that doesn't make any sense. It at doesn't all. make any sense to me. And here's another hole in this logic the NFL has. When a player gets traded at the NFL trade deadline, they don't bring, you know, hypothetically, like, Stephon Diggs doesn't bring his Vikings helmet over. Yeah, they don't repaint his helmet. Yeah, during the season, they don't repaint the one helmet. They give him a new helmet. So if you can do that twice in a year, if a guy gets traded, why can't you do that during the season? Are you it telling makes me no sense. that they, players only have one helmet on the team? Yeah, that's it? one helmet. They and, don't have, but that's the thing. What happens if it breaks? Yeah, that doesn't make any sense at all. It, there's no. Do they have only one it. set of shoulder pads? That's what I'm saying. You're a billion, multi-billion dollar industry. You can't measure your players for multiple hats. And guess what? You love money. If you're the NFL, you love money, money more than anything. This is a revenue goldmine that you're sitting on, and you haven't really utilize they if you could have a throwback night football every thursday teams could wear their throwback jerseys do you know how many people would buy a josh allen 1990 so Bills jersey they're obviously lying so when you think about I just don't get the logic then when you think about the people who are nfl owners they are extremely old and ex- yeah extremely of a certain takes them forever to group. do things yeah uh they like we were we're in worth within 10 years of them being like if you don't pull up your socks we're finding you right, right? like they don't like unique we looks. finally they, just got the numbers the single digit numbers yep, they for, don't like individualism no, they don't like that's a good point any of yeah. these expressions of uniqueness at all but they like money though and this is a revenue gold mine you know how many people would buy these jerseys and the the you know, you look at the Sabres even. They're terrible. They don't but need this money, though. Like, they're yeah, getting, they get fair. money from TV. This is not, I mean, this is, I mean, they, it's yes, they love cool money, thing. but they love culture more. I know. It's just another cool thing that I just, I don't understand the logic of why they wouldn't want to. Maybe it's just because they, you know, the owners have, they've moved forward with this new brand, this new look, and they don't want to utilize all the old looks of the team. They're the least it's cool just, people on earth. I know. I know, and this is the perfect example. Derek Henry said it the other day that he's like, oh, it's cool, yeah, I can go back to number two, but I want the throwback helmets. Like, I want to I want to wear the Houston Oilers jerseys. I want to see the Bills wear their 90s look. I want to see the Kelly Green in Philadelphia come back. There's just so many cool – I want to see the Boston Patriots. I want to see that look. The NFL, again, like, instead of the color rush, do throwback night football. Every Thursday, these games are not great. At least you get to look at cool jerseys. Why is it even legislated at the league level? Why does it matter? Uh, I just I don't know. It's just another. It's the same thing with the numbers thing. Why was it a rule that a receiver could not wear a single digit? That it doesn't. That doesn't make sense either. Laws are put in place for a reason. So sometimes those laws are there specifically to achieve an end. So somebody but in I that tell office. tell you the reason though. That's the thing. Or somebody in that owner group wants it to stay the same and never wants it to change. I'm gonna look at the rule book. I want to see what their. I want to see what the the explanation is because I can't think of one for any of these rules. So they finally move the numbers to. Uh, receivers, running backs, corners, linebackers, safeties, they can all wear single digits now. So let's get this other one, this this helmet rule, out of there. It, it still could. According to Pro Football Talk, the NFL still has not made a decision on if the one helmet rule could change in 2021. It still could. So hopefully it does because Josh Allen in a red helmet and a 90s look would be awesome. I mean, I don't trust Terry Pagula to judge a fit. I mean, have you ever seen the guy in public? <laughs> Fair. I don't trust He dresses like a grandfather. That's, that's a good point. That's a good point because right now, so some people ask, well, then why can the Broncos wear the D on their helmet, right? The D with the, the horse in it. The, the difference is that's the same helmet. It's the same color. If you notice, it's still navy blue. 
They can change the logo. They can change the decal on the helmet, the sticker, what a, but you can't change the, the helmet. Incredibly stupid league. Yeah, so 803-0550 is the number to call. We are at the top of the hour. Got to take one break. When we come back, Mike Debate of Locked On Patriots joins us. What are the Patriots doing? They spent a lot of money in free agency. Are they going all in on 2021? Could they trade up for a quarterback? We'll get into all that and more with Mike coming up next right here on WGR.